This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. And off we go to week eight in the National Football League. Thanks for giving me some time today. I'm Dan McNeil, and this is the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. I do it twice a week, and it's been inconsistent lately as to when we drop. Hang in with me on that. The Bears have had a Monday nighter and a Thursday nighter. I had a road trip this week that put me out of doing a show Thursday morning. So here I am, spry as an 18-year-old and freshly recharged from spending a 1,000 miles worth of time in my truck over the last three days. My back is in great shape to stand up and blab for the next 30 minutes. But that's what I'm here to do. And I'm here to talk about the Bears and Cowboys Sunday in Dallas, and the Cowboys are a huge favorite, and I see a lot of people going in the direction of taking the Bears. They're drunk off that big three phases performance against the New England Patriots. Say nothing of the short work week and having to travel back to Chicago in the middle of the night Tuesday morning and then go on the road again. In just a little while, I want to talk about Something that is rare in sports, all sports, but in this case, NFL, but should be more prevalent than it is. And that that subject is out of division rivalries and why the Bears in Dallas have not established more of a compelling rivalry is troublesome. Um, it's not going to keep me up at night, but as storied as both franchises have been, It's been rare when they've been good at the same time. It has happened, and I'm going to go over some of those games. But it hasn't happened enough. And I'm hoping this is a chance for a compelling game because that's what makes rivalries, compelling games, memorable moments in a series. And you don't get them twice a year because they're not in your division. And you sometimes don't get them at all during the course of a season. And the Bears and Cowboys Sunday will go at it at noon. Oh, yes. Thank goodness the noon kick is back. Dallas, as I mentioned, is the huge favorite. And why wouldn't they be? Because of the way their pass rush is is invariably relentless. They are the best pass rushing team in the NFL. And Justin Fields, who had a good game, maybe his best game of his career, just five nights ago, doesn't get rid of the ball fast enough. He he waits, 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 looking for that. Wi- you know what? These windows close quickly in the NFL. You got to let go of the ball, and you got to throw the ball out of bounds. He took sacks unnecessarily um, last week, and that's been a habit of his. 
And against number 11, Micah Parsons, uh, against uh, other pass rushers, Demarcus Lawrence for the Cowboys, this is going to be a real tough assignment, not only for Fields, but the guys in front of him. The Bears' offensive line, again, is not healthy, and I think a high percentage of Bears fans have had their fill of Sam Mustafer at center, other injuries up and down the line. You know, you're going to have reserves playing a long time. Larry Borum, the right tackle, who's had a decent start, decent first seven weeks, didn't practice Thursday uncertain as to whether he'll be able to go and whether they're healthy or not. This Cowboys defense coached by the great Dan Quinn blower of a 25 point lead in the Super Bowl a few years ago when his Falcons lost to the the Tom Brady Patriots. Uh, they're up 28 to three, the 28 to three game. That's Dan Quinn. He's a fine coordinator overmatched as a head coach. He let that Super Bowl get out of hand, but that's not why you called as we used to say on sports radio, 670 in Chicago. I think somebody still says it there. Matt Spiegel. Thank you for keeping that alive. The bears you would figure are going to try to run the ball and put that pass rush back on its heels. Can they run the ball? Well, they're the number one team in the NFL when it comes to to rushing. And they've had three games out of seven where they've accrued more than 200 yards. So it would appear to be obvious whether it's the number one, whether it's Khalil Herbert, who is starting to gain a lot of favor in Bears Nation. Some people say, and you know what? McNeil may not be talking out of his ass when he suggests trading David Montgomery. Khalil Herbert does just fine. And, of course, you have the threat of Justin Fields, who is in the top 25 rushers in the NFL. He's the second quarterback after Lamar Jackson. Bears and Cowboys is not going to be close. Earlier in the week, I was, you know, frankly, I I bet favorites more than I don't. And I didn't have a great weekend. I went one and two. Um, I, I don't bet a ton of games. And I play favorites. And teams like the Chargers don't cover when they're favored. Uh, So my want is to back off of big, big points. And that's what Dallas is laying here. And go with the hot hand. And say, okay, the Bears can be within eight or nine points of the Cowboys. And maybe some of it will be garbage time, but they're going to come within those ten points. I've backed off on that completely. I'm not going to bet the game, but if forced to do so, I'm betting Dallas. I I don't trust this Bears offense, and I don't trust their defense, despite the the nice growth exhibited by the two rookies, the second-round pick, Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State, and Kyler Gordon. They're coming around. They're still capable of being rookied, and they will be. And C.D. Lamb... I think is finally ready to have that burst out where he can get to that next level of wide receiver. He's been a pretty good player, but he's not been the breakout player. So many have thought to be. And as far as when the Cowboys are running the ball, they've got a couple of them. They've got Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, number 20. And some people will tell you right now at this point in their careers, Pollard's a better running back. Pollard's got, far more breakaway speed, and Ezekiel Elliott is not as bruising as he once was. So I'm picking Dallas to win this game and winning winning it 
in convincing fashion. Uh, nice effort by the Bears. All three phases, terrific. Got nothing but good things to say about the overall result and the way they put it together. But let us not forget, Justin Fields laid the ball on the ground four times. Didn't lose a fumble. Let's see if the Bears lay it down four times Sunday. <laughs> if, if they recover all four of them. Tell me when that happens next. Dallas is going to win the game running away, and it's going to be the next game in this series that underwhelms from an entertainment standpoint, from a closeness standpoint. Out-of-division rivalries are few. I can't even tell you with confidence which other NFC or AFC team, for that matter, is the Bears' biggest rival outside of Vikings, Packers, Lions. Who is the Bears' biggest rival? It ain't Dallas. It ain't San Francisco. Maybe Philadelphia, recent playoff loss to the Eagles, Bears winners in the Fog Bowl, meaningful game. They've had some national games over the last 25 years, 30 years. One of them, a Monday night game in Philly when my former program director, Ron Gleason, scheduled Terry Boers and I to go to a Rolling Stones concert at Soldier Field. The Bears were in Philly that night. We can't go see the Stones with listeners on a Monday night in a pre-digital world where you can't just watch the game in 17 minutes the next morning. We couldn't go. So it's radio, it's red hot. Dallas had a nice rivalry with the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, that was a good rivalry for a long time. And players who swapped uniforms like Charles Haley added to, to the intensity of that rivalry. I want you to, for those of you who are close to me in age, dig back into the recesses of your brain for playoff games in years gone by. The Bears have... Lost to the Cowboys twice in my lifetime in the postseason. And there have been two, only two, unless I'm forgetting one, really memorable regular season games. My memory, excuse me, of the NFL is pretty good dating back to around 71 or 72. I don't remember Chicago-Dallas being anything. But when the greatest team ever assembled had the Cowboys on the schedule in 1985, November 17th specifically, week 11, Bears and Cowboys. Bears only had lost once, the Monday night uh, loss to the Miami Dolphins. So the Bears go to Dallas. It's a pick em. The total is 35 and a half, and the Bears get it all on their own. They beat the shit out of the Cowboys, 44 to nothing. Sports Illustrated cover boys the following week. Bears took a 24 to nothing lead into the locker room at halftime, courtesy of two pick sixes. Richard Dent with an absolutely breathtaking one-yard interception return for a score. And L.A. Mike Richardson, 36 yards. Steve Fuller was at the wheel that day for an injured Jim McMahon. Uh, he and Calvin Thomas and Dennis Gentry, Pinky, all had a touchdown run. Kevin Butler kicked three field goals. Bad day for Danny White against the 85 Woof Woof Bears. 
Cowboys offense totaled 171 yards, turned it over five times, and White was sacked six times. One of them, Steve Mongo McMichael. Raise your glass, Bears fans. Uh, A toast to the eventful and amazingly satisfying life for so many years for number 76, Steve McMichael, who was at the – at the later end of, of his bout with ALS and ALS to my knowledge is unbeaten. The other regular season game bears in Dallas is the same thing, except for the final score in the other direction, the Cowboys beat the crap out of the bears on Thanksgiving of zero four, but didn't take advantage of a ton of things that were given them by Lovey Smith, an early Lovey Smith team, and they won the game 21 to 7. That doesn't sound devastating, but, and this is a game most of you should remember. It's just 19 seasons ago. Cowboys 21, Bears 7, 18 seasons. My math is challenged. Bears have 140 yards of total offense, turned it over four times, six sacks. The Bears rolled out every quarterback on the roster that day. Jonathan Quinn. Rookie Craig Krenzel, and they were awful. And it was a battle of the Jones brothers, Julius Jones, the running back for the Cowboys, Thomas Jones, the Bears running back. Thomas Jones carried 14 times for a whopping 46 yards. He had a long run of 12. Brother Julius carried 33 times, 150 yards, two touchdowns. A dreadful loss for the Bears that Thanksgiving day. And I believe that was the first time they showed up in orange jerseys, at least in my lifetime. I don't know if there was a time in an Aragon pie when they tried it, but that, that was awful. The only score the Bears had was on an R.W. McWhorter's interception return. Just terrible. Two playoff games in my life, Bears and Cowboys. The first one I... I only remember slightly. It's 1977. It's the first Bears playoff game in my lifetime that I was old enough to remember. They won the 63 championship game against the New York Giants at Wrigley Field, 14-7. to I was two. They didn't go back to the playoffs until 77. That, that's not an error on my part. They, they win the title in 63. And don't make the playoffs again until 1977. And the Cowboys kicked the crap out of them, 37-7. to They were favored in the game by double digits, 11-point favorites. And the Bears proved early and often why they were such prohibitive underdogs. Bob Avellini, the boozy quarterback, turnover pro. Four, Four picks on the day. Threw four picks. The wild card bears go down in flames. Doug Buffon, who who was first year in a bears uniform is 1966, 1966 Chuck Swirsky. And uh, he has to wait that long to get to the playoffs. And and the bears are, are limp on December 26th of 1977 and just get whacked. And after the loss, a uh, surprising resignation from Bears head coach Jack Pardee. He wanted to go back to Washington, where he was a linebacker once upon a time. Played on George Allen's Over the Hill Gang, number 64, I want to say, Jack Pardee. 
So he quits. Walter Payton, early in his career, wanted to go back to Washington. So he did, and he failed there as well. And then a game more of you will remember, and I remember so much more about it, but the playoff loss to Dallas late December of 91, this was a much closer game than any of the previous three I referenced. Cowboys won it. This game's at Soldier Field. Cowboys won it 17-13. to Both teams were 11-6 and coming in. The starting quarterback matchup was Har- Jim Harbaugh for the Bears and Steve Burline for the Cowboys. That was the game when Tom Waddle got America to fall in love with him. And partly for the right reasons. And then there's part of you that makes you question why he ever put a helmet on again after that game. We didn't know in 91 what we know today about chronic traumatic encephalopathy. I like to say it because I know it. CTE in your world, fellas and ladies. Waddle had nine catches, 106 yards, 104 yards, and a touchdown. And he got knocked absolutely silly. Uh, stood up and wobbled and went to his knees. And, oh, he got his bell rung. That's what we said. He got his bell rung again. And John Madden, if I remember right, was on the call because Waddle and Sylvie play a clip from it on their show. This Tom Waddle, he, he's a tough guy. From Cincinnati, went to fight. And uh, the Bears lost. And, uh, man, that was that was anything but eventful, those, those first three. And then the last one, Bears played well enough defensively, certainly, but three turnovers were their undoing. So of the four meaningful games, the Bears won one. Or not meaning memorable games. The Bears went one and three. Will this Sunday provide us with a brand new regular season memory on Chicago v. Dallas? Unlikely. Cowboys will win this game by at least two touchdowns. I, I'm sorry. I just I, I can't stay drunk on Monday night five or six days after the fact. Can't do it. Mike Singletary. And everybody was caught up in the flavor of the moment Monday night. And I didn't do this Monday because I didn't want to crap on your Cheerios or your Reuben sandwich, whatever you were having when you finally got to this on Tuesday. If you got to it on Tuesday. Troy Aikman, at the end of the broadcast Monday night, was getting way ahead of himself. And he's, he's, it was textbook example of flavor of the moment, recency bias, drunk on the day, and starts talking big picture about how he likes what he's seeing from Matt Eberflus. Really? He likes what he's seeing in the development of Justin Fields. And that was the development in that game. He was less error-prone in the second, third, and fourth quarters. He was in the first, although he did, as I mentioned again, laid it down four times. But Aikman was just gushing over the fingerprints of Matt Eberflus on this Chicago culture and Ryan Poles. And, you know, that's what... We used to, it's not nice, but we used to call that out of town stupid. When you don't see a lot of a team, you get highlights, you get headlines, you see something that's trending on Twitter and regard it as gospel. I'm not, I'm not buying yet. I am not going anywhere near the level of excitement exhibited by Hall of Famer Troy Aikman, and he wasn't alone. 
this past Monday and Tuesday. I didn't hear a lot of it because I decided to go musky fishing for one day in Hayward, Wisconsin. Fishermen are the only people who would understand that. Why would you drive 500 miles almost each direction for one day on the water? Friendship, making a memory, and as it turned out, spending some time with uh, a guy I've only known for, for less than 10 years. I met him nine years ago this past summer. He's the, the super guide, Pete Rich, who takes me out in Hayward, Wisconsin, and guides me and has taught me a lot about musky fishing, which I just discovered 12, 13 years ago after being a lifetime fisherman. Well, Pete, very close to his dad, his dad became very ill a couple months ago and fell into a coma late last week. Pete knew it was expected that he would pass. He passed away 30 minutes before we launched. His dad was a fisherman, and Pete said, this is where my dad, what my dad would want us to do. It's what he would want. So we're going to go to his favorite spot on the flowage, and that's where we're going to fish. And uh, we had a shot at Crown Royal in the memory of, of Bill Rich, and there were some emotional moments, but it was a, a very meaningful day. And that's part of the reason I made that trip. Biggest game of the weekend, even though we at Bet Rivers don't regard it as such because you wagers tell us where to go. Us. Um, the Bills are 11. I think I saw 11 this morning. 11 point favorites over the Packers Sunday night. Good finish to the weekend. Because I'm not going to lie about it. I missed the Buffalo Bills last Sunday. And where are the Bills? Where's the best team in football? They're on by. They're getting ready for the Packers. While Aaron Rodgers was losing for the third straight week. This is the first time in Rodgers' career he's a double-digit underdog. First time. Buffalo going to be little sluggish after the extended rest? Or will they be ready to go? Will the Packers be better on both sides of the ball? They've been a disaster. But I remind you, he's Aaron F. and Rodgers. Just as I'm reminding anybody who's writing off the Buccaneers after their awful game last night and their three and five start to the season, they got Tom Brady. Packers have Aaron Rodgers. And they have a running game that's capable of making a difference. And that's what you got to do. It's obvious. Take the crowd out of the game, run the damn ball, keep the Bills' offense off the field. A lot of Aaron Jones and C.J. Dillon. That's what they'll do. And I'm going to take the Packers. You know, you you want to give me Aaron Rodgers and 11 points on the road, best team. Well, okay, I'll take it for a lunch money play. You know what I'm really looking forward to? Uh, I think the first episode of in-season hard knocks drops on November 8th. We're right around the corner from it. This is only the second year HBO has attempted in-season hard knocks. And last year, I did not miss a one. In fact, I watched most of them twice in season with the Indianapolis Colts. It wasn't because the head coach is appealing. Frank Reich is pretty dull. Um, Not knocking anybody with spiritual convictions, but Bible thumping doesn't pump my nads. I'm sorry. I just can't. But there was Darius Leonard. There was the story of Jonathan Taylor. There was uh, an inside look at the Colts facility, still working under the very strict constraints uh, of a nation that was afraid of the coronavirus, which I, I, I remain kind of impressed with how potent it can be. Um, 
but everything's done, not everything, but a lot of things were done electronically. And I thought it was interesting to watch that in season episode against a team that was racing toward the playoffs, having a big year. Carson Wentz, is he back? Does he have a new home? Darius Leonard was playing great. He was out there every week. And they pissed it away. Week 17, losing at home to the Raiders. And then going to Jacksonville and pissing the bet against the Jaguars. Couldn't run the ball. Carson Wentz threw his first road pick of the year. Colts go down. It was an interesting in-season hard knocks. This year should be even better because they're doing the Arizona Cardinals. And it looked to America like the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, and his quarterback, Kyler Murray, don't like each other recently. That's nonsense. That's what that's what happens. It happened to happen on national television, and lips were easily readable. Calm the F down. Calm the F down twice. Tom Brady last night, readable lips on the Buccaneers' sideline, disgusted. Didn't we just discuss that in the timeout? Didn't we just discuss that in the timeout? He said it twice. Jimmy, two times. I'm going to go get the papers. Get the papers. In-season hard knocks, November 8th, November 9th on HBO. The Arizona Cardinals don't miss it because they are going to be colorful. Just those two. Reason to watch their dynamic. Now, in case you didn't know, each team that agrees to do hard knocks gets to see everything before it goes to air. And I I don't agree with it. I don't like it. But if I were in charge of HBO Sports, I'd probably sign off on it as well because the the show is just too damn good the product for those of us who still enjoy it is too good to say all right we're not doing it anymore we're not agreeing to that you, you gotta bite the bullet there and you gotta do it so arizona cardinals did you happen to see the carolina panthers post-game celebration after their week seven victory their blowout victory for Steve Wilkes, who has been named interim head coach. Wilkes was a defensive coordinator under Ron Rivera a few years ago and then got an opportunity to coach the Cardinals, either 18 or 19. I think it was 18. And he only got one year there before they decided they had to have Cliff Kingsbury, even though he couldn't win at Texas Tech with Patrick freaking Mahomes as his quarterback. Got to get him. Got to get him. Steve Wilkes, you're gone. We're going to get an offensive guy who uh, looks good in a 34-way slacks. Nice hair. You know, that that's the trend, right? Thank you, Sean McVay, for the Matt LaFleurs of the world. And even Matt Nagy, though, didn't have the great hair, was in his 30s when the Bears gave him his first chance. That's Cliff Kingsbury. And he's not done the job for Arizona, but Carolina won unexpectedly right after trading their best offensive player, Christian McCaffrey, to the 49ers. Didn't make much of a difference, but who expected that? He was traded, I think, Thursday last week. It looked okay. He's healthy. Seems to be healthy for now. But uh, Steve Wilkes was given the game ball in the Carolina Panthers dressing room. And you often get, and a lot of those guys were still around, and Brian Burns was one of them who was with Rivera. And young Brian Burns was with Rivera and Wilkes before. And he's very emotional on Good Morning Football today, talking about how much they respect and, and love playing for Wilkes. Will the Panthers succumb to a locker room that continues to fall in love with Wilkes and give him the job? And will he be any damn good at it if he gets that chance? 
A lot of people still are afraid of giving defensive-minded coaches full reign. It's dangerous to fall in love with a guy who's interim because it invariably produces a spark. Whatever you do, when you change coaches, guys realize, all right, no more loyalty. This guy's coming in from the outside more often than not. I best make an impression. I best play harder. I best, you know, work harder off the field, film study, nutrition, weight room. I got to get my shit together. This guy's new. So there's an uptick in performance. I call it the Mike Quaddy effect. Mike Quaddy was named interim Cubs manager, I don't know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And he had enough time left on the schedule to get his Cubs players really behind him and and going to bat for him privately in the end-of-season meetings, want to play for Mike. we got to keep Mike. They did, and it failed conclusively. So you got to be careful with that in-season bump you get with a new coach. And then give him uh, give him head coaching stay because you don't go into the season too often thinking I'm going to pop this guy mid year. It has to fall off the tracks badly, and it had for the now dismissed Matt Rule. I celebrate that, but you know he can thumb his nose and laugh the way to the bank because was he in his third year? I think the Panthers still owe him. You know he he was making nine mil a year. He's making more than Mike freaking Tomlin of the Steelers. So I kind of celebrate his poppage, but he can, uh, he cannot worry about that. He has musky fishing money. I don't know if he musky fishes or not, but strikes me as the type who would, he's a simpleton like me. Want to thank you for listening. I'll be back Monday morning, not on Tuesday. I'm going to do the bears and Cowboys in the rest of week eight. On Monday, the show should drop around 11 o'clock. Please subscribe to it if you haven't done so already. That way it's waiting for you as soon as we at Bet Rivers put it to bed. Sam Michael is my executive producer. Adam Delavitt is the big boss man, the, the man in charge, Baby Capone, as I used to call him when he produced my terrestrial radio show for the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. I'm Dan McNeil. Have a great weekend. It's supposed to be reasonably nice, so spark the king's furs and get some meat or fish on the grill and celebrate. We're not even to the midway point just yet. That happens next week. It's week eight coming up this weekend. I am stoked for all of it, and I'm Danny Mack, and I'm Taillights for now. Thanks for listening.